Hi, I'm Carla Marie Sweet, and you are listening to the Playmakers Podcast, a new podcast by Box of Tricks Theatre Company that is all about platforming creative conversations with theatre makers from all parts of the industry. This episode's guest is the brilliant Jamie Carragher. Born and raised in Birkenhead, Jamie is a graduate of the Liverpool Everyman Writers Programme and Soho Theatre Writers Lab. He joined HBO Succession as writer's assistant in 2018. He was made a staff writer on season three of Succession and was promoted to story editor for season four, the final season, which is now streaming on HBO Max and Sky Atlantic. Aside from Succession, Jamie has worked in other writers' rooms for shows yet to reach the screen and also has his own film and TV projects in various stages of development. As with all episodes of the Playmakers podcast, this conversation is pretty raw, uncut and unfiltered. So expect to hear the odd swear word that hasn't been beeped and some discussions around sensitive topics. It's also worth mentioning that this episode was recorded remotely, so the sound quality isn't always as great as we would like it to be, but the content means it's well worth sticking with. And don't worry, there are no succession spoilers in this episode. Okay, without further ado... Here's Jamie. So the first question I want to ask you is where did it all start? What TV show, film, play inspired you to be a storyteller? Oh, I mean, uh, you know, we could go like full full Freudian and go back to like the first little bit of writing I did in reception. I got a nice word that I always sort of like clung to. I think that was like a rewriting uh, that was like Winnie Pooh, Winnie the Pooh fan fiction, and uh, the teacher liked it, and I thought I like this sort of validation. So um, yeah. maybe that was like the first thing that got me going. But I'm really interested in this. Was this Winnie the Pooh fan fiction like genre? Did you turn it into like a slasher horror or something like that? I think it. Well, maybe it was a bit uh, of an absurdist take on the old Winnie the Pooh universe. Uh, if anyone wants to hit me up with that IP from the studios, then let's get into it. But uh, <laughs> no, it was like um, there was a giant flood, I guess, in the woods, whatever their famous woods that they're in, and um, Winnie the Pooh actually managed to, with the help of his friends, get like a vacuum cleaner and and sort it all out. Maybe it was like a sort of a prescient climate uh story and i had (laughs) anyway sorry um i guess the moment when i started more taking the idea of trying to write as a career seriously um is more clear to me than um other moments so i went to i went to oxford university and there was a lot of student drama on and Mm. I'd never you know I didn't even get the chance to study drama um GCSE uh and I you know I look back and think that was a shame but when I went to uni I I sort of got exposed to so much student theatre I'd never really been to the theatre all that much and I just sort of really enjoyed engaging with the stories and, and new writing particularly and uh I wanted I wanted to get involved and you know I had to go writing my my own play and that was the start of that really. So you never wanted you never kind of looked at theatre and performance and everything and thought I want to be involved in this maybe I want to be an actor or a director or 
Yeah, I never had the um the acting bug really. I did a little bit of stand up. That was almost my I think that was the sort of my tentative way into um to writing. I guess it's the most sort of immediate form of writing you can do is you just write words that you then go out on stage and say and um I did in, enjoy that but also I think I realized pretty quickly I didn't want to didn't want to be a stand-up comedian um yeah I mean because it because it it is going out on stage and saying words but then there's so much that comes with it in terms of like the world that you're then a part of and the touring and the yeah, you know yeah. Drinking culture and the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, very male culture and yeah, just everything. It's it's a lot, isn't it? I suppose, um, and you know, you'd know it as a actor writer. You've got to sort of love the the different form. You know, there's no point doing a triathlon if you're if you only love running. And and I sort of realised quickly that uh, I didn't particularly like the performing side unless it went absolutely brilliantly which it, on the rare occasion it did it was obviously a bit of a kick but um no i i think just seeing everyone just giving theater a go and you know i i didn't i'd always enjoyed writing fiction and short stories winnie the pooh onwards um <laughs> and uh you know obviously that had the bad teenage poetry stage which is oh, necessary. We all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but no, it was only, it was when I wrote my first play and got it performed that I thought, okay, I think I want to try and um, make a career of this. Mm. So, this play, tell me about this first play. First of all, what was the premise? What was it about? Were you offered any kind of support to write it? Was it attached to a theatre from the beginning or did you just write it off your own back? That's a lot of questions in one question. <laughs> yeah, um, the play was called Life Sentence and it was about a hypochondriac who gets diagnosed with immortality. Oh, wow. So it was just sort of a um, bit of a screwball comedy. Uh, and yeah, it was, to be honest, the log line for it is better than the actual, uh, <laughs> the actual, the, the, than the actual script. I, I sort of like to revisit it one day, maybe. Um, but it, no, I just sort of wrote it during um, the summer. What, what I think of my second year, and showed it to a few people. My friend who was an actor was very encouraging. A few other friends were got behind it, and yeah, it was just sort of friends putting it on together and we did it at the Burton Taylor studio I, again I felt uh, looking back realized that it's uh, university is almost like the best sort of playground really for getting into dr drama in a way because it doesn't have the same financial risks you know I didn't really have to pay anything to get the stage or you know Everyone was sort of volunteering their time, which is great. Oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, uh, 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 wow. Well, 
no, yeah. nobody will have been able to see what has just happened because this is a podcast it's all audio but it looks like jamie had fallen off the table but really his his laptop fell off the table <laughs> yeah uh just yeah uh it's okay it's my it's it's uh, my my phone it's a tough cookie um yeah. but what what was it that you were studying at university uh i studied history so you hadn't necessarily gone to university thinking i want to be a writer no no absolutely no I, I didn't really know what i wanted to do to be honest but you knew you were interested in history and do you think that history and kind of the in-depth knowledge that you probably gained of history while you were at oxford do you think that's coming to your work at all as a writer well it's funny because about for about six five six years after i finished my degree i, I couldn't look at another couldn't look at another history book i was just sick to death of history and um found the you know the idea of getting into a big boring tome about someone really off-putting i think that happened to a lot of people i think i always say that that uni ruined reading for me just in yeah. general for a really long time and it yeah it took years to get back into it because i was such an avid reader when i was growing up like i could swallow books whole within a few days and very often did and then i went to uni and i was just like oh god whenever whenever i read fiction i felt guilty because i should be reading something for uni and whenever i read something for uni it felt like work and then there was just yeah, enjoying yeah, it yeah. so long and it was probably only about 5 or 6 years ago that i got really back into it but the straight the strange thing is that um i've sort of u ended up using my history degree a lot more than i ever imagined uh working on succession because that you know in that writer's room we end up talking a lot about different historical figure you know figures and themes and um the way power and politics operates so yeah, it, it sort of came back, and I have to admit, I've dust, dusted off the old um, boring tomes for for this job, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's funny how it comes back. So, can you give me any examples of that? Any kind of um, examples of like political figures or time in, times in history that parts of Succession have been inspired by? Yeah, well, you know, um, the boar on the floor game uh if you can call it a game night nightmare yes. nightmare that was very you know much based on the sort of soirees that stalin would have with his politburo where he'd you know play them off against each other and um you know establish himself as top dog by degrading the others um yeah that was you know fantastic episode by oh. tony roach that was yeah just one of the best and then um, yeah, we do try and slip in uh, other historical things, but yeah, uh, it's it's also just the approach as well, um, the sort of ability to read books and dissect them for the sort of juiciest moments. You know, I ended up having to read a fair amount of quite dry at times business biographies and you're always looking for that moment that pops that actually would make the good drama on, on tv so that, that's also i'd say uh, a nice thing about you know what my 
little bit of training and, and history research has helped me out with. And you say, you know, what would make good drama on TV? Would you say that Succession is a drama or is it a comedy? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's a drama, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see I can see the other side of the argument in that hopefully it is funny, but and also there's an element to which the characters sometimes, you know, reset uh, from episode to episode. But um, I think that that is more just reflective of how slow it is for people to change, for genuine change to happen in in people. And, um, you know, we don't lightly make someone drastically different. Hopefully it happens at a bit more of a glacial pace, um, which maybe is different to other shows. But, um, yeah, I'm in the drama camp. I think, uh, yeah, certainly kind of old money families um, (laughs) that takes generations sometimes, doesn't it, for any real change to happen. Um, I think, you know, especially when you're watching kind of a patriarch or a matriarch, like cling to power. And of course, there's this narrative that, that, you know, um, he came from nothing but then the mother didn't. <laughs> the mother's like actually yeah. from quite a wealthy background, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right though that in some ways um, the whole dramatic situation is is sort of originates from this stagnation of the the father's unwillingness to let go. And um, but yeah, also that King Leary, um, mm. he, he's he's faltering but um, unwilling to let it go to his kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it felt important to ask that question about kind of drama versus comedy, because obviously is Jesse Armstrong your your showrunner? Yes. Yes. That's the party line that we're keeping up. I'm not sure how to. (laughs) No, 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 he is. He's, 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 he's he's a big boss. (laughs) uh, And, you know, he's, um, he really is the sort of. I mean, we can get into a little bit of what a, a show, you know a showrunner is, but you know it's yeah. it's um, a lot more than just being the sort of lead writer. It's a massive sort of. Yeah, um, I mean, I, so if if I mean, I guess when you're a showrunner, the the book stops with you, really, doesn't it? There's there's kind of decisions, editorial, creative decisions over absolutely everything, right? Yeah, uh, that's the sort of massive challenge of the job is that you've got to be the sort of creative lead. You've also got to be the manager of, you know, the the sort of whole company from the cast and crew. And so you're making creative decisions, you're balancing financial decisions about where to spend the budget. Um, yeah, it's it's a very multifaceted um exacting job that Jesse manages to make look easy when it obviously is extremely difficult. And of course, Jesse's background is in comedy. You know, most yeah. listeners will know him as part of the Bain and Armstrong duo behind shows like Peep Show. Um, and and that really was comedy. And, and obviously there's kind of this, um, this strange situation that you find yourself in when a show goes over the 30 minute mark where it automatically gets put in the drama category um, for kind of any awards or anything like that, which yeah. a lot of 
time is kind of not necessarily based on its content and more its length. So it's always yeah. interesting. I had quite a few people who are big Succession fans kind of say to me, do you think it's a drama or a comedy? And I think there's, there's kind of a bit of mystery and magic in debating sure. which one it actually is if you do think about its content rather than its length. And particularly when you think about kind of politics um, and business and what we're seeing in the world right now, like, is it a drama or is it a comedy? You know, uh-huh. is everything that's going on in government right now a drama or a comedy? Is everything that's going on with Elon Musk and, you know, people like Don- Donald Trump right now a drama or a comedy? And I guess it's just about perspective, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I think the sort of the question of is it a drama or is it a comedy definitely does stem from the amount of comedy writers that we have in the room. And I think maybe that sometimes means that we're not always necessarily like sticking to dramatic shapes or um or orthodoxy in that way but you are right that when you know elon musk is doing what he's doing at twitter it's um how far is the show just a reflection of what's going on rather than any sort of satire it doesn't you know with each day that passes it the satirical elements seem more just like a um, a documentary of what's actually happening. Absolutely. I mean, you look back at, you know, big satirists like Chris Morris, for example, and kind of the the Brass Eye era and even kind of Black Mirror, you know. um, You look back at kind of some shows like this and I guess Black Mirror is still continuing. I think they've got another season coming soon. But people like Charlie Brooker and, and, and Chris Morris have kind of, satirize things that are now real (laughs) in the past which is just so how do you in the succession room kind of decide what what comments you need to make on society as it is now i i honestly um don't think that we as a room are trying to we don't think of it in in terms of making a a comment on society We, we do always try and lead with the characters first and think you know what would what would Kendall do in this situation? What would Logan do in this situation? Um, because otherwise, you know, you can sort of stray into uh, moralism or or you know, trying to you know make a sort of fable out of it. But um, yeah, so it's always got to come from character, I think. And that's kind of the beauty of the show that these characters are kind of likable as much as they are hateable you know there's so many times when you watch the show and you sort of ricochet between hating certain characters and feeling a bit sorry for them and kind of liking them and you know moments where you're like yeah you know Kendall got one over on him and you know Uh it's it, it feels like these are very real characters so what what was the genesis of these characters well, I, I mean, you know, I, I joined as the writer's assistant in season two, so I can't speak, you know, directly to the, to the, you know, genesis. So again, not to uh, blow too much smoke up, uh, up my boss, but you know, he, he, he you know, he's he's done a lot of, he did a lot of research and development time on this show. He knows, you know, the sort of historical themes that we were talking about he knows them inside out he's been interested in you know the way media moguls operate for 
a long time, way before um, Succession hit the screens. And yeah, he's he's obviously a um, a brilliant observer, you know, observer of of character. And so that so I can't really speak too much to the origin, but that, I mean that's the great thing about joining that room is because the characters are so clear, you feel free to suggest different storylines and plots and jokes of different characters because they're just very distinct mm, yeah very so talk to me about how you got to the room what was the journey from kind of writing your first play and getting it staged when you were at oxford all the way through to when you when you got your foot in the door at succession yeah so after that um good first experience with life sentence at oxford we took it to edinburgh as well in um, my final summer and then wow and was it was it well received what was your experience <laughs> in edinburgh? i think you got it i think you got a uh, good two stars from the uh to the, from the scotsman no i think uh oh, well high five for that because i've had one of them too i think it's a yeah. badge of honor these days <laughs> yeah 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 five stars five stars if you collect them all together um <laughs> no I, I it got some decent reviews and it got a good crowd but yeah even that's sort of the thing as a as a new writer you've sort of got to be honest with yourself and and think you know what of the criticisms that i'm hearing are a right and and what don't I agree with and how can I improve? So I moved back to Birkenhead after Edinburgh where, where my mum and dad live. Um moved back in with them. What was what were your parents' feelings around what you were doing? Were they always supportive of you potentially kind of being a writer or did they have other aspirations for you? I think maybe at this point I might have um lied a bit and said i wanted to be a producer or something not really knowing no uh they they've always been really supportive obviously at different times maybe and you know until the succession gig happened they might have you know been a bit worried you know for nothing particularly happening for me um which is sort of a very understandable sort of parental um instinct isn't it but no they've always been uh really supportive even though you know it's not like we knew anyone who who worked in that world or 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 was a writer so if your family doesn't know anyone who works in that world and i've certainly experienced the same with my family there's this element of like just having no idea what to expect like i think if my family had known somebody who was like i don't know yeah like a tv writer or even a playwright or something like that and we'd seen kind of their route to success and kind of just the the length of time that you're broke and struggling before you kind of get a bit of success and start earning proper money, then we would have known, okay, th- this mm-hmm. isn't all going on, that she's like not really doing so well for yeah. quite a few years because at some point it will pay off. Instead, you've just got to kind of hope blindly, haven't you? <laughs> and that's quite scary yeah yeah no there is that uh long blind hope period that i would love not to revisit uh no but so i i moved back to birkenhead moved in with them and then i started liverpool everyman writers program that year which was sort of you know that was brilliant really for sort of getting a bit more education on how 
writing plays and scripts actually works. Um, did you have to write a play? Was that was that the deal that you write a play with their support? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did write the play. Um, okay. I wrote. I wrote a play, and it's funny, isn't it? Because I think the writer, one of the writers on the program before ours, had written such a good play that it got put in on, got put on by the Everyman um, when we were just joining the class. So we sort of all had this idea that oh, one of us will get our plays put on and. By the everyman, it, it didn't happen, and it obviously, in retrospect, it was um, a miss, <laughs> a miscalculation. But yeah, it's a good sort of lesson in that um, it's not always linear, is it? Um, no. So no, so no, nobody's play got put on in the end. Uh, no, not like that. I mean, we did readings and things like that, um, mm -hmm. which were definitely really helpful. But it just shows that. Just because you do one of these programs doesn't necessarily mean that your play is going to get staged or anything. Um, very true. It's, yeah. it's very hard in general to get a play staged, isn't it? Yeah, I've never really, you know, I've written a few plays and never had one on uh, professionally. And definitely it would be an ambition of mine to, to make that happen one day. But um, yeah, definitely the, the TV door is the one that sort of opened for me. So I've, got a, I've been pushing through that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in Birkenhead for a few years, knocking around, doing sort of part-time jobs, keeping up the writing, writing different scripts, plays on TV. And then I applied to um, USC, which is a university in California. Uh, University of Southern California in LA and I got a scholarship to go out there for the year which was yeah it was a great um why did you think this this is going to be the thing that's gonna or, or was were you even thinking this is going to be something that's going to progress my writing career forward or was it more of a bit of a jolly with some education along the way no it was definitely quite calculated for me um I wanted I thought that, you know, going to LA where a lot of the TV and film industry is based would be a smart move. And especially if, you know, the university was willing to to pay for it, you know, it could be relatively, you know, risk free. I wouldn't necessarily always recommend people do masters or postgraduate education if it's going to sort of load them up with debt, which puts a time pressure on them. Um, I, so yeah, I was lucky enough to get this scholarship, uh, it's for an arts journalism program, which even though I, I knew I wanted to be, you know, a screenwriter, I thought, well, I'll just sneak into all of their screenwriting classes. Um, <laughs> it did, it didn't, it didn't quite turn out like that actually. They, uh, they had a sort of fake writer's room, um, class that I was enjoying for about three weeks and then. The administrators came in and escorted me out because I wasn't really meant to oh, be there. No. Yeah, the yeah. shame of that! Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was that was embarrassing. Um, but but <laughs> look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> now they have to escort me in. No, they. Um, <laughs> uh, but the one that good in LA, I sort of reconnected with a, a friend who I hadn't seen for many years, and he um, was an agent's assistant. Um, at U ETA, I believe, and we used to go and watch 
the Liverpool games together in the morning in LA, sort of like 8am or earlier. And he was an agent's assistant at the time at uh, UTA, I believe. And I used to, while we were watching the Liverpool games, you know, sort of bug him and uh, ask if there were any assistant jobs going that he knew of or any openings in writers' rooms. And I think by the end of the year, he was a bit tired of being asked by me. And he was like, you do realise you've got no experience and no visa, so it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I was um, a bit... And then I moved back to England. I moved to, to Norwich because, um, you know, my, my girlfriend at the time was, was studying there and I felt pretty far away, you know, literally, spiritually. Yeah. Uh, for, for, from where I wanted to be, you know, having L- LA to Norwich, it's a sort of... Um, <laughs> I, didn't feel clo- I didn't feel close to where I wanted to be. I was working as a teaching assistant in a in a secondary school and I was finding it pretty tough to be honest and I'd sort of resolved to move to London that summer just to try and get in the building somewhere to get to know people because I felt like I didn't really know anyone especially in the UK and then um, my friend in LA said hey there's this job going in London to be a writer's assistant Um, do you know Jesse Armstrong he needs a yeah, he's got this new show coming out. They need someone. And yeah, I did did the trial for the job, got the job and um, clung to that writer's room like the barnacle I am. <laughs> but isn't that amazing that you had this period of like feeling as far away from it all as you could possibly feel? Possibly even thinking, God, that time I spent in LA, that didn't really pay off, did it? That's just another year of my life that's just gone but actually it did pay off because it's the guy that you spent a year bugging while you were in LA who was able to kind of you know connect you to the the job that's ended up kind of changing your life yeah and uh, Ben Ben is my manager now so that's a nice little thing so uh yeah definitely it was a bit of um a sort of Teddy Picker experience you know you sort of I was I remember watching um Bend it like Beckham in a year eight RS studies class, uh, and uh, <laughs> then getting the email that I got the job, and then two weeks later I was in London in a really top writers' room. So it was um, a nice thing that, as you say, sort of came from nowhere. So hang on, I just need some clarification on this. <laughs> you were you were in a religious studies class yeah. in the school that you were TAing at and they yeah. were watching Bender like Beckham. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there were less there were lessons to be taken from from that seminal film. You know right. openness, wow. inclusivity, how to I wrap your, like how to wrap your foot around the ball, you know. <laughs> that says a huge amount, I think, about perhaps the area that you were working in at the time. <laughs> and I won't versions, but if you need to go back to a film that came out in what, like, when did it come out? Bend it like Beckham, was it late 90s? Yeah, I um, I certainly won't be speaking ill against that film. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great film, it's a great film, but in a, in a, yeah, in a religious studies lesson. Okay, cool, I'm here for it, yeah. <laughs> wow. 
So yeah, so that so that's where you were when you got the call, and then you moved to London. Yeah, moved very quickly, and um, yeah, it was straight into the into the frying pan, and um, it was a lot. You know, the writer's assistant job is really hard work, but it was really yeah. So talk great. us through talk us through what that job entails. I suppose in in one way, you're just um, the note taker, but actually, it's uh, it's a it's a tough gig because you know you're in the room hours every day, uh, long, long days, and you're trying to judge what is the relevant stuff that has to go in the notes because you know the scripts that will come out of the they'll they'll usually be very influenced by the notes that have been taken in in the writer's room and. Um, you know, you have to finish the notes after all the, the writers go home and you have to get it done that day because the net very next day there's going to be, you know, five hours more of great ideas that need to be captured and sifted through. So it's um, it's a brilliant sort of intro to the writer's room sure. world, but uh, it also is a lonely hard gig. Yeah. Yeah, having done quite a few writers' rooms myself as a writer, I can't imagine figuring out what parts of the meandering conversations that can happen in writers' rooms are actually relevant and important enough to note down and then being able to, like, put them into words and kind of, yeah, it's incredibly hard job. Incredibly it's, hard job. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, but it's, it's great training as well for sort of getting, you know, a nose for what is good plot and what are funny jokes you know you often sort of have to um judge from the reaction in the room you know if someone tells a joke and everyone laughs then it, it has to go in the notes and then uh, the opposite is true as well so what else does the job come with like have you been able to spend time on sets like do you go to kind of the award shows because there are so many award shows when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to well, shows like succession yeah well i was obviously fortunate you know fortunate enough to get made um a writer on season three and then i'm going to be a story editor on season four coming out so it's what nice to have natural that, progression yeah i have that um that moving up has been has been great in terms of feeling more and more responsible. So that's yeah, come with being able to go to set more and see the brilliant actors do their thing, um, and the directors and yeah, everyone. It's such a well-oiled machine. The whole crew is just brilliant. Um, and then yeah, you do also get a little bit of uh, a little bit of the glam. A little bit of the Ritz in terms of uh, the awardy stuff, you know. Yeah. Can't can't yeah. can't turn your nose up at a BAFTA invite, can you? So. You really can't. You really can't. Hopefully, they have a nice spread when you get to go to the award shows as well, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. They uh they had a very good um disco. Uh yeah, that was fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So what's the ultimate goal for you then? What's the dream? Can I be really cheesy? No, uh, I am uh, I'm genuinely loving working on Succession and we'll 
yeah, I just want to keep doing that for as long as possible. I'd love to keep working with the writers that I've met in this room. Um, definitely want to build up my script credits over the next few years. Would love, would love to. You've got, you've got spec scripts, of course, haven't you, in the works as well, and yeah, you know, original ideas that you're going out with. Yeah, it'd be great to, you know, get one of those close to happening. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to in, enjoy this moment and keep improving and learning from all the, you know, the brilliant writers who I'm around and. Um, yeah, if not, I'm certainly not in um, too much of a rush to, you know, it, it's like, there's, for me, anyway, my personal opinion is, is there's kind of nowhere left to go in, in, a, in a sense, because, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be working with a lot of writers who I admired from afar for a long time, so I just... And it's a big gig. It's it's one of the biggest shows on the planet, isn't it? So it's hard to dream too much beyond that, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, but def definitely just, you know, being able to to write as a job is is the dream. So, yeah, I just want to keep working hard at making sure that keeps going. So what would be your biggest bit of advice for somebody who wants to be where you are? Yeah, I, I suppose there are almost two sides to the to the writing thing, and um, I think that a lot of people are usually more comfortable doing one of, of the two. So you have to keep working on your craft, and you just have to keep getting better and being open to criticism find, finding those people who you trust to give feedback on your work so that you can you know keep getting better script by script or yeah keep keep progressing so that you know should the opportunity come for you to put your work in front of an agent or have a you know uh someone at a theater to read a play that you've written that you feel it's in the best shape it can possibly be. So yeah, there's definitely the craft side that you just wanna you sort of wanna just keep going with and make it as much of a habit as you can. And then there's the sort of networking side, which I have to admit I always uh, found um, more cringy and hard to, <laughs> to 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 do. But I suppose you know the only thing I can say about what happened with me and Ben is that I told him. What I wanted you know I told him that I wanted to be a writer so it's good to let people know that that is your thing and that you really want it and you shouldn't sort of keep it to yourself because yeah. you want to be the name in somebody's head when oh uh you know a spot's come free here you want to be that person that they think oh I remember that guy they were they were nice and they were keen. Um, and they were a fellow Liverpool fan. And they were, yeah, <laughs> the, the Liverpool Illuminati. That's that's another, that's another, that's my third bit of advice is is is, is join that group. But yeah, uh, is uh, I don't know if you, if you just if you let people know what you want and you don't you shouldn't expect something you know 
straight away. But if you if you're just nice to people and and let them know that you're serious about writing, then you know hopefully those two separate um, things will will marry up at the right time. There's something beautifully simplistic, isn't there, about the idea of just shining your light in every direction possible, and if you shine your light enough, at some point you'll you'll be found. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I I I remember as we were talking about before, there is that um, that period of frustration where you feel like you can't get anyone to to look at you or, or what you're doing. So I definitely. Um, feel for you know your young writers who are in that or just any writer who's in that um moment right now but you've just got to keep plugging away i think and be quite Mm. you know keep backing yourself and have that blind hope that i guess we talked about earlier (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I don't think it hopefully it's not too blind but Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah it's easy it's kind of easy to say um you know a bit a bit further on but i think yeah verbalize it to people let them know and um that's that's all you can do really jamie carragher you've been a brilliant guest thank you so much for taking the time out of your super busy schedule to talk to us really appreciate it thanks a lot for having me oh i enjoyed that chat so much It was incredibly difficult not to prod him for spoilers, but I think this season of all succession seasons is the one to just enjoy the surprises as they come. Season four of Succession is now streaming on HBO Max and Sky Atlantic. If you enjoyed listening, tell your friends, share on your socials and of course subscribe. You can follow Box of Tricks on Twitter at B-O-T-T-C and on Instagram at Box of Tricks Theatre. You can find me at Carla M. Sweet on both platforms. And you can follow Jamie on Twitter at Carragher Jamie. Thanks for joining us again for the Playmakers podcast. I'll see you next time. <laughs>